0: everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy. I'm your host, Nathan Bartleball, and I'm joined tonight with...
1: Seth Dombach.
0: And this is essentially going to end up being our holiday episode. We had a lot of uh, of, of big plans, but I think the, uh, the Christmas season got the better of me <laughs> in terms of all the episodes. We did get... We have a uh, Star Wars episode that's up. We did do the episode with The Room and Windy City Heat. And really, what more could you ask for? <laughs> we will have our best of the year list. We're going to do one for our science fiction and fantasy, and we're going to do one list for horror, and we're going to have several different people joining us for those. Tonight, we are kind of trying to cash in on that promise of bringing you more science fiction content, <laughs> and we're going to discuss uh, Charlie Booker's Black Mirror and sort of the phenomenon it's become uh Again, largely due, I think, to Netflix's involvement. Uh, I didn't even realize that it existed previous to Netflix putting the first couple episodes up. I just missed it uh, when it premiered. It premiered, I think, on the BBC or on Channel 4, one of those those stations initially. So what we're going to do is talk a, a little bit about it. For anyone who isn't aware or, or doesn't know, it's a, a British-based anthology show that harkens back a little bit to like twilight zone i'd say the outer limits certainly the newer outer limits that showed up in like the mid 90s but with a far darker and more realistic bent yeah some of the places the store the stories go are are pretty crazy dramatically but a lot of the worlds that they represent feel very grounded in reality i think it's been so far pretty good about being a show that's Based around science and technology, uh, you're not really getting episodes that involve the supernatural or uh, magic or fantasy, you know. Right. The Twilight Zone would sometimes venture out into the magical realism. We haven't really had any of that that I'm aware of with the no. show. So what we'll do first is just sort of start out. Uh, Seth, kind of talk about your experience, you know, encountering the show, your thoughts, your general thoughts about it. And what we would like to do is kind of talk about this just in terms of the themes that it brings up, kind of the science fiction aspects it tackles. We are going to talk about the individual episodes, so this is going to be a spoiler episode. What I would say is if you haven't seen Black Mirror, check it out. I would say there's a handful of episodes that I would start with before what's technically the first one. (laughs) The the first episode of season one is the kind of thing I cannot imagine who had the guts to make that the first episode of this show because it is by far, I think, the most divisive episode that they've made in a lot of ways. You could maybe cite one or two others, but it's one that's just full bore. In your face. So uh, the episodes out there, I honestly think that maybe a really good entry point would be some of the episodes of season three, which is the season, the first season Netflix produced last year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Episodes like Nosedive that stars um,
1: Bryce Dallas Howard.
0: Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard, who's really good in it, yeah, and she it, is. it 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 takes more of a dark comedy bent, but it it also deals with a future that doesn't really feel like the future <laughs> feels like <laughs> kind of like right now, uh, minus one or two little tweaks. Uh, there's also some, there's some really good episodes. I think most of season three, to be perfectly honest, is relatively accessible. Yeah, uh, still still really good, still dark in a lot of ways, but accessible. If you are up for some of the darker content, want to start with something like that, and Seasonally being what it is, I would recommend White Christmas. Yes. uh, That has uh, Don Draper himself, John Hamm, (laughs) in it. And it is really good. It is. And I think it's a good introduction to it. But we're going to discuss all that. I just thought I'd throw that out there in case you're someone who's listening to this and want to check out a few of the episodes before we go into it, because we are going to get kind of spoilery on it. So, Seth, uh, share some of your first impressions, how you encountered the show, what you thought about it, uh, just general thoughts.
1: Well, I was like you too. Like I had not like I, I kind of heard a little bit about it when my friends had told me about it. Um but then I saw when the original episodes had come on to Netflix and you know, what's what's crazy is when I was looking up about the series itself, the first show premiered in 2011 and that ran uh the second series ran during 2013. So this is even further back than I had imagined it, because I just came to it maybe like a year or so ago, maybe a little bit longer, but not too much more than that. Now, I'm a really big fan, especially when it comes to science fiction. Um, I'd much rather go into something that's a little bit more like hard sci-fi, something like along the terms of like a 2001, like a Blade Runner. I really like sci-fi that deals with issues that could be real to people um, or have some sort of like deeper meaning behind them than just like space battles (laughs) like that stuff's fine but I I like something that deals with it on a little bit of a deeper level what does it mean to humanity things like that and that's what I really love about Black Mirror itself Um, it deals with the topic that I'm really interested in uh, which is what is the influence of technology on humans as a species like what how is technology changing us as a society and how we deal with each other Um, and then also just what are the ramifications of what happens when we kind of go down some of these deeper, darker paths that technology can lead us into? And just kind of like the way that it, uh, as much as it can bring us together in certain ways and get us closer to each other in a global scale, uh, there's also a part of it that pushes us away from it. And I think what's so smart about Black Mirror is the way that they really have grasped onto what feels like is not, like, distant future, but maybe, like, 20, 30 years down the road. This is not something that's, like, this is not, like, fifth element style, like, look at the future. This is, you know, it feels like a natural progression of where we're going as a group of people. And and with that, like, it really deals with, like, kind of human emotions and how those will change when technology is brought into it. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about that more when we're actually... um, Discussing some of the episodes themselves, but this is honestly it's it's one of my favorite shows right now. Uh, but it is one that I think is really difficult to rewatch, and I think that you have to have a certain amount of kind of steel to to get through this show because it does go into some very dark and depressing places. But um, if you can handle that kind of thing, if you're interested in uh, hard sci-fi. I mean, you, you can't really ask for much more than what Black Mirror is going to give to you.
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with most most of what you just said, or all of it, really. The feel of the show, if you're trying to kind of categorize this in terms of, you mentioned 2001, that's a good, that's a good kind of point, but it definitely, it deals with worlds that often feel like dystopias, and there are a couple of episodes where you're kind of dealing straight up with a semi-abstract dystopia, but that's only one or two episodes. For the most part, like you said, it isn't just that it feels um, grounded, but it's like you there is a kind of observable trajectory to say the technology we have now could go this way. And not just the technology. I think it's more about what you hinted at, that it's how we deal with said technology. Uh, how the human reaction and the human response to technology – Based on how we are responding and how we are dealing with the internet, with social media, with the ability to interact with each other without actually needing to be around each other. Uh, When we deal with technology that's starting to skirt the level of, of how we perceive reality and things like that. The movies that I think are similar to that, you know, a couple of years ago we had Ex Machina, yeah. uh, the Alex Garland movie. That movie is a movie that I feel like kind of fits kind of firmly totally. in the mold of like what Black Mirror is doing. Shane Carruth, who did uh, Upstream Color yes. and yeah. Primer, his stuff is probably a little more gentle than, <laughs> than Black <laughs> yeah. Mirror. But, but, but psychologically and dealing, they, his movies really tend to deal with the humanity at the heart of... The science fiction and that's kind of black mirror even when it's dark and it does get very dark it's there's a nuance to it this isn't just a a luddite sort of screed about how technology is terrible it's really more about the fact that human beings are essentially terrible Uh, not that they're essentially terrible but that our faults and our flaws and our failings are going to come along with us and one of the problems is when we we bring up a new technology the way everything is marketed we only market the positive right and sometimes that's a very hubristic thing to do yes without taking a long look at the downside not every black mirror movie even or every black mirror episode and I probably should say that they are structured in such a way where most of them run close to an hour. I think. Yeah. Don't they? I mean, yeah. this isn't this. Uh, we're making it sound like it's the you know forty minute or forty five minute <laughs> Twilight Zone episodes, but I think most of them do run, and some of them run the length of a feature film. I'd say White Rabbit is maybe on the shortest side of a feature film, but it's uh it's definitely close to an hour and a half. Totally. Uh, yeah. Several of those. Uh, not White Rabbit. I'm sorry. <laughs> White Christmas. <laughs> Yes. I'm surprised there isn't there. We've had White Bear and White <laughs> yeah. Christmas. but uh, So we can go into those. Uh, but I totally agree. I came to it Netflix when it was first put up there, and it, it probably felt like it was around 2013, 2014 maybe when they put the first few episodes up. It might have actually been more recent than that. I'm not entirely certain. And I had not really – I wasn't aware that it went back to 2011 either. Yeah. In terms of watching it. But what was so compelling was that this was a world that felt so – Well thought out and well conceived, and was willing to really. It's not just the darkness. I think it's the fact that it's willing to get very uncomfortable about the reality of how we are as people. I think there is a certain vanity even when we're trying to create fiction, particularly. I you one of the things you mentioned, like I'd like to see more in the space battles. I think one of the issues there is that people perceive science fiction in a couple of ways. They either want it kind of dark and gritty. Or they want it to be escapism. Right. And, I think, and sometimes it's dark and gritty and still escapism. Uh, it's strangely enough, a few years ago, we decided that dystopic worlds are, are good escapism. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, so like a Hunger Games is like the first, like, dystopic Happy Meal movie. Uh, <laughs> that I don't think there was an actual Happy Meal toy. Look, it's Firing Shots Katniss Everdeen. But, you know, you <laughs> get the idea that these essentially dark stories are being turned into kind of packaged entertainment yeah and black mirror in no way is escapism no and i think that that's that's the good upside of it it's totally. also i definitely agree. it's not the downside but it's the moment where it allows us to really like see
1: ourselves i think for the way we are well you, you you hit the and nail on the head hard. with that totally because it's this really isn't about the technology it's not about the science fiction it really is about humanity and the way that we treat each other and, again, how we utilize these tools, like you said, in a way that it might not have been meant for that when it was created, but that's how people can turn it around. And, I mean, it is honestly like the perfect show for the way that the world is going right now and the way that people – act towards each other online and kind of how we've distanced ourselves, you know, just from each other, even though we have that ability to be so connected, we have so much information at the tips of our fingers. And yet, you know, uh, it breeds like mob mentality thoughts, um, the way that people, you know, can uh, use like jealousy because of, you know, somebody's on the phone too much or, or whatever. And you know, there's so much in this show that feels realistic to just the human condition. And I think when sci-fi is done really well it, it plays into those same kind of themes that you feel like throughout this entire series
0: yeah i mean and i kind of feel like since november of last year we've been living inside of a black Mirror episode <laughs> yeah uh and but and, and i don't mean that's that's not even necessarily political comment but around that time going forward it hasn't it there's been a real recklessness and a real disregard for how we deal with these tools right uh to the point where you know it seems like we're willing for our own pride to throw national security to the wind sometimes uh i don't you know i i don't think that there were probably many um previous uh, presidents who are likely their tweets to be quoted in uh in the annals of history people are willing i think we're at a point where we're willing to be kind of reckless with yeah. the things we say and the things we do because there's a feeling of disconnect from yeah. it. That is to say, if I I will threaten you, your family, and everyone you've ever known, but I don't really mean it. <laughs> I'm not yeah. really going to do it. And we're finally starting to see the tide turn on that where your words actually have some consequence in your actions. No matter how pantomime or veiled, they do matter. You know. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten to this attitude of if I'm just sort of pretend doing it it doesn't matter we're all kind of play acting and running around in our own heads and when when what does that look like when it starts to bleed out into
1: reality well there's a really interesting uh quote that reminded me of um a Kurt Vonnegut quote he's like be careful about who you pretend to be because that is who you are um and there's like it just it reminds me just recently in the news they've been talking about that that keaton jones story about the little boy who was bullied at school and you know the first couple days everybody was like you know oh yeah we'll do whatever we need to for you you know he has movie stars saying yeah come you can come see the new um you know civil war avengers movie you can come to the premiere you know and then people did some digging and they found out that his mother was like had a picture of her holding uh, a Confederate flag and you know even you know regardless of what you think about that then everybody just started piling on this kid and his family, and I mean, this kid's like they
0: began bullying him essentially yeah. again all I, over I, again. I saw horrible the things, whole world. <laughs>
1: horrible things that the adults were saying about him. You know, calling him un- ugly, comparing him to like sloth from the Goonies. You know, and these are adults who are you know a day ago were like, you should never bully anyone. You know, and it's it like that mob mentality is what really scares me because you know. People are just going to turn on you on a dime, you know, even even if some of the stuff that they said wasn't even true about this family, you know, there's no way that we can really even go and fact check this, but they just have made a decision that this is the way the tide is going to turn, and, I mean, just the hate, like, now you think – Anytime when that kid grows up, if he ever goes to Google himself, you know he's going to see all this hatred that was pushed his way when he was a thirteen-year-old kid. You know, so it's that, that's
0: it's, it's not likely to help him if he was already on a <laughs> right on a different trajectory. Exactly. So yeah. It is. Un, it's an. It's an unfortunate. Um, Kind of thing, and I think that's one of the things that's powerful about the show. And I think we can now start kind of talking about the individual episodes a little bit, because it it is willing to accept that a lot of times the results of this are going to be pretty ugly. Yeah. And Black Mirror is not big on the concept of, or, or let me say, it doesn't doesn't put a lot of stock in false, unearned redemption. Right. Uh, it's not likely to give you characters that are going to be redeemed, and even sometimes. Uh, I think it's more likely in a Black Mirror world that people who technically seem innocent from the outset will still have horrible things to happen to yeah. them, whether or even when they do turn out to be innocent. You know, so again, we're going to kind of be freewheeling with talking about this and, and spoiling them. Uh, let's talk about the very first episode because I do feel, in a lot of ways, it's the one that probably feels the most like the world we live in. Yeah. And that's not just because the Prime Minister is being uh, encouraged to get intimate with a pig. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's also a litmus but, test for a can you handle yes, this show
0: Yes, yes. Uh, it's interesting, too, because there are a lot of Black Mirror episodes that sort of do revolve around the holiday of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And this is one of them. <laughs> and you got the whole the, – the nation is kind of headed towards the build-up to Christmas – and you've got, uh, basically, the. it starts um, with the Prime Minister. They kind of take him aside and show him this video of the princess being like kind of uh, kidnapped, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, she's basically abducted. And one of the things that is, uh, that is evident right from the very beginning of this episode is that cameras capture everything. Yeah. In fact, that's really the point of it more than anything else is that everything that occurs – is we're mostly seeing it through the eyes of someone else watching it uh, as it's being broadcast to somebody. So we have the Prime Minister watching a video of the Princess being kidnapped. The kidnappers have her held somewhere. And the way the episode plays out is it's sort of this... Uh, Race Against Time as we see all these different elements and components and individuals trying to track down the signal here to find where the princess is being hidden so that they can save her because the demands that are being made is that the Prime Minister has to have sex with a pig on live television. And, And that's the point when honestly I'm sitting there thinking... If this had not been so well written, had been so compelling up to that point, I would have been ready to turn it off. Yeah. Because it's kind of that Chekhov smoking gun. You don't introduce that the Prime Minister could possibly have to have sex with a pig (laughs) if you're not willing (laughs) to go full Wilbur. (laughs) That's some pig. It's that's some pig. So so at that moment, and I'm watching the show, and it's already kind of a little edgy, and I'm like, this is i am i in for am I ready for this but the credit of the show is you we tell you that, but the show is very much about what's happening uh in the kind of scurry to get the the princess rescued, but it's not a we're not talking like an action film again we're seeing lots of misdirection we're seeing lots of the way that information is being processed and kind of processed incorrectly in some cases, interpreted incorrectly, and really the whole media buzz makes a muddle of everything that's happening. And there's all these voices at one time. There's so many things going on. There's weird little story lines where uh, when you see these people trying to counsel the prime minister, and one of them is like at one point they kind of suggest that, well, we'll, let's just get a a porn star. (laughs) They'll do this kind of stuff. And then we'll do some digital work and, you know, eventually it's going to come down to this element of is the is the prime minister willing to make this concession? And it's not really about – I think you kind of get to the point. It's not really about the having the relations with the pig. It's really about what he's going to do to his whole self-image. Right. Uh, and not just his self-social image but the image of who he is to his family, to his wife, to himself. And – Oh, if he's willing to take that that step, and uh, gosh,
1: man, it's a big pig. It's a really gross, <laughs> <is>. fat pig. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I know we're we're totally in spoilers territory. Um, I, I got to say though, th- this show, like. To, to start this show off, this with this episode took a lot of balls to do this because this is a this is definitely a very on-screen <laughs> yeah, end. off this is a definite uh, like a difficult episode. Like this is I've rewatched the series and I've rewatched specific episodes multiple times. This is the only one I haven't rewatched since I first saw no. it. Um, it, not to, not to say that it's not good, but it is. Um, it, it makes you feel like so gross throughout it and just like you you put your you kind of put yourself in the the position of the prime minister like what would i do if i was in this situation and and the fact that this is what's laid before you and like you you kind of see like a little bit of a, a coda to the story after everything happens and it seems like things are good on the outset like we had we had mentioned but um behind closed doors it's not so things aren't going so well as they would appear on the outset but It's a good episode, um, but this, like we said, if if it turns you off to the description, you might want to put this one aside for for like a later episode.
0: Yeah, but again, I think it's – we're sitting here kind of giggling at it, which probably isn't helping things. Uh, there There is nuance here. There is a story that's being told here. And what makes it so difficult to watch is that the acting is very, very strong in every Black Mirror episode I've seen, uh, and this is one of the really strong ones where Roy Kinnear's character, who is the prime minister, you're really watching him go through a whole series of different emotions. Yeah. And I, I gotta say too that the even the scene with the pig is not, it's not gratuitous. No, it's not uh it's you're just dealing with the horror of what you're seeing this also is one of the few episodes people are listening to us and thinking you're talking about the science fiction show and now you're talking about this guy like getting getting jiggy with a piggy is the uh there's no science fiction in this episode really so to speak everything that happens to this is completely realistic but it still has that feel where you're getting at the heart of our technological preoccupation and it, you you could have added science fiction elements in here and still had the same result, which I think is kind of what Black Mirror is getting at. To me, the most compelling moment of this episode that kind of makes it that makes it kind of uh, come together and and does make it more than a shock episode. I will say to me, this is sl- one of the ones that's slightly weaker because I do think it does it does leverage the shock in such a way that it's hard to kind of overcome it. Um, I feel like once they decided to go that route, they had that you can't ignore the pig in the room, so to speak, <laughs> and that does stifle some of what's going on. But the moment that makes it sort of worth it is where basically everyone, when it's clear that he's going to have to do this, the whole nation is kind of like, guys, it's got to, it's got to go live television. Everyone's saying that it's going to go live, but please don't watch this. Yeah. You know, everyone's being encouraged to look away. Everyone's mocking you know, uh, feigning sort of propriety. I you know, we're not going to watch and, you know, and of course millions and millions <laughs> right. of people turn tune in. And a lot of, the, you get this thing where you start to see them and it's just sort of weird amusement of like, yeah, can you imagine this? We're about to see the prime. And then kind of like you start to see some of the responses yeah. to people actually watching this thing, the a reality of like, it, like the, the naked kind of bait laid bare humiliation that's happening. And, and, their reactions to it and it becomes a very different thing yeah suddenly and to me that's the best moment of the episode yeah me too i think so it's i definitely would put this one sort of on the side if you're familiar with some of charlie brooker's other stuff he did before this he did the dead set which is you know uh was kind of popular in Britain. it was sort of a kind of take off on zombies and it was interesting so if you if you previously had that you might understand his darker sense of humor, because this is definitely dark humor. There's <laughs> yeah. there's darkness, but there's dark humor in this particular episode. Yeah, definitely. And I think what it does, though, is it sets up this kind of take-no-prisoners look that, you know what, we're in real trouble here, I think is what it's trying to say, is, you know, we're in real trouble. <laughs> Potentially, as a species, we're in real trouble. And it, a lot of Black Mirror does sort of revolve around that idea of compassion versus cruelty Mm -hmm. but compassion from the perspective of not an individual's compassion doesn't seem to matter a whole lot even the prime minister's desire to want to see the princess safe uh does play a role in the desire to kind of want to lead the nation in the right direction but there's also what's the global compassion look like which is which is admittedly very low yeah and Mm -hmm. the kidnappers are sort of playing off of that so that kind of dovetails and leads into the next episode, which I think, while dark, is probably a better starting point.
1: Pro- yeah, I would probably for the say show, that too.
0: which is um, fifteen million merits. This has some recognizable faces in it too. Uh, not that people don't necessarily know who Rory Kinnear and and, and Lindsay Duncan are, but they may not be as familiar. Anyone who's seen uh, is it get uh, get out. Yeah, get out. This past uh, this past year, which was a, which was a really good movie too. Um, He's the primary star of that episode, and also, um, Santa and it's also Jessica Brown Finlay, who I like a lot of people probably saw in um, Downton Abbey. That's yes, where I recognized yeah. her from. And then Rupert Everett's in it, too. Uh, why don't you talk about this one a little bit, um, Seth?
1: Yeah, so this one, um, from what I remember about this episode, uh, this is kind of this episode I think deals mostly with like class systems um, it, it, you, you see like a group of people they're all kind of playing this video game where they're on like stationary bikes and the whole point of it is they're trying to get these things called merits which kind of allows them to buy things and you know sets up to like what where their social standing is and they kind of live in like these little small box rooms but they're you know they keep going on these bikes every day you know it seems like there's no reason for them to be doing this there's no other than getting these merits this is just kind of what their life is
0: um and the merits allow you to like buy food vending machine it's i mean it's it's weird it seems like a cyclical thing
1: and like one of one of the things that they see on on like because they watch tvs all day as well too there's all this other stuff that's going on while they're riding these stationary bikes um and and one of the shows they have is kind of like almost like a uh, an america's got talent type show where you're able to go on there and perform something and if they if the judges deem it good enough like you have a chance to get all these merits which is going to allow you to grow you know grow in your kind of cast system there um so it's just kind of following the main character i can't remember what his name is in the show um but daniel Kalea, i think is his name
0: his name yes
1: daniel Kalea plays bing bing, bing is, is it, the character's yeah. name yeah uh-uh. and
0: abby is the is the
1: Says uh, around like Finlay's character. Um, yeah, so I, I I do like this episode too, um, particularly when um, Bing gets his shot to go on to uh, the uh, kind of America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent. I think it's called show. like Hot Shot. Or Hot something. Shot. Yeah, I think the, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that scene in particular is really good, and uh, I, I really like the ending to this too because it's it's really funny uh, in a way, like a an irony funny. Um, of of what this this would do to somebody in this in this position uh what did you think of this episode nathan
0: i really liked it it's definitely to me it is actually even darker in a lot of ways than the first episode well, the first episode sort of pivots around this one idea where the world of this and again there is some dark humor at play the 15 million merits world is very very bleak in terms of of its its outlook on humanity uh, your it, it does almost remind me a little bit of a Terry Gilliam sort of <laughs> yeah, Brazil. i was thinking Brazil, yeah. And they're definitely kind of going for that. And I and somehow astonishingly, it's actually darker than Brazil. Yeah, which is pretty darn dark already. <laughs> uh, and I think the 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 thing that makes it darker than Brazil is there's a point when Gilliam is willing to kind of like delve into the inner absurdity of human beings. And here, enough of it feels real. The hotshot show at the crux of it the humiliation that occurs here with these people and the and the callousness towards human beings any reality show that's basically sprung up since survivor has been that thing where human beings get together and sort of watch other human beings but we don't we treat them as objects not as people they're just kind of chess pieces there for our amusement yeah uh that's sort of the feeling but there's a lot of very the acting is very strong in this one it's also very kind of emotionally uh gutting at the same time that it is darkly satirical it's definitely this is the movie this is the episode i mentioned where it's very dystopic and it's definitely it, it definitely feels more abstract there isn't this really easy way to chart and say oh this is a future we'll arrive at it's more of a snapshot of where we might arrive emotionally and psychologically uh, and, and there are a lot of dark things. One of the things I remember, you mentioned that they watch all these shows on this big screen. Do you remember the one where it's like called Bother Guts or something? And it's just people running around like hitting fat people yeah, with yeah. sticks or shooting them with guns and things. Yeah.
1: and uh, So strange. It
0: is so weird. But it's, they, there's, a, there's a kind of clear moment where they're showing – look at the humiliating – you know, the humiliating is people. There's no humanity in this behavior at all. So – when being is wanting to help have, have Abby reach her dream and achieve her, achieve her dream, and we're supposed to think this is so great, there's another element where we're questioning: Well, does why would this society even care about dreams? And it seems like the world is in that place. And where that goes is really dark. Yeah, I mean that they're they're willing to turn the schmaltziness that you would expect with this kind of story on its head pretty violently yeah uh but i think it's def i honestly think it's probably one of the best episodes and that is probably down to how good uh killua's performance is yeah. in, the, in the episode like you mentioned the ending uh where he goes and kind of what happens there is pretty uh pretty intense i think yeah. and rupert everett has a really weird sort of cameo here and He's like really kind of playing it up, but it's at a very dark pivotal moment in the episode. So, yeah. I think this is one that I if you're a person who enjoys the darker side of things and can handle, this is probably not a bad introduction episode. This is uh this is the one I probably wish I probably had watched first. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the uh, the the first episode there. So, the third one in is probably the one that is getting the that gets the most sort of like it it seems like it gets most accolades yeah uh particularly season one i hear a lot of people talk about this one the entire history of you it is one of my favorites i think me too i think because here the science fiction is very clearly on display yeah and it's a very realistic science fiction and the technological aspect very much ties itself in to the episode uh really well yeah and in, in the in the choices and the things that the characters do, it sort of reminds me of a movie that I thought was really ambitious, but didn't really quite achieve everything it was it was shooting for. It was a, a movie called Final Cut. Did you ever see that? I don't
1: think I did see that. Now with
0: Rob Robin Williams uh, works. He basically his job is a cutter, but everyone has a camera in their brain from basically from birth forward and when these people die it's his job to take all the footage and cut together a reel that will mm-hmm. play at their funeral okay uh essentially and of course he sometimes he's got politicians he's he's got these really well respected people that he's got to put this moving touching montage together and he has to cut all the moments out where they are committing pedophilia right. or or beating their families or things like that. And so he gets he's almost like this sin eater in a way. And it's a really interesting idea. And of course what Hollywood often does with interesting ideas is decides that the last third of the movie should be full of chases <laughs> right. and action scenes. But um this is this is an interesting take on it, I think. I think
1: what did you what did, how did you feel about it? This this one, um this may be the most emotionally like gut punch kind of episodes I think that this show has which is a show that has a lot of them in it um, you know essentially like we it's kind of like you have this implant in your head where you're you're able to like replay your memories you can go back and you can kind of you can display them to other people if you need to um, It's kind of like just like you said like a, a memory chip that's recording all the time. Which, you know, especially nowadays where people feel the need to document every little thing from, like, what they ate in the morning till how they got stuck at a red light while they were going to work. Um, you know, this kind of feels like <laughs> something that's realistic. Um, but, you know, there, it really deals with, like, um, jealousy issues about infidelity and things like that. And, I mean, the, the main actor, I'm not sure what his name is. I think it's uh, Toby. I, I don't think I've ever seen him before. But Toby Kebbell,
0: you've um- – yeah, he he was horrible as Dr. Doom in the Fantastic Four. Oh, oh my God. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> he's excellent but he here, was, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's excellent here. He's been good before in other movies. He was, I really, uh, he well, he was very good as Koba in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, even though he technically wasn't on screen uh, in that movie. So if you saw Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, yes. he was sort of the... Uh, the antagonist ape in that oh, film. Oh, okay. And uh, he also, if people are trying to recognize him, he had a small role in Kong Skull Island, another giant, uh, another ape movie. There, um, and he was in a Monster Calls, which was another really good movie from from last year. But this is but, this is
1: one. I, I think I would probably tell if if you're having any kind of relationship troubles or you're you're concerned about your significant other cheating on you or something like that i'd probably say this is not a good episode to watch for you because it is like i said it is emotionally devastating um and if if you've been in a relationship that's gone that way or you've had that kind of experience before it's going to bring up a lot of really sensitive feelings um you know and and it's going to show them in a very very dark light and and the end of this episode in particular um you you could see how you as a person if you had this kind of technology how it could kind of completely take over and control your entire life in, in a bad way
0: and it's funny you should say you know that you you say i mentioned you know if you're having like a relationship issues and particularly like um uh issues with uh, jealousy or things like that, don't watch this episode or do watch it. <laughs> it might really make you uh, confront and consider some things, yes. you know, I, because I think that that is an element of this episode is uh, one of the problems is how we process things and how we deal with them and how we don't deal with them. And a lot of the tragedy and the darkness that spring out of the episode are, all about how people make decisions in response to other decisions if that makes sense uh it's again one it's interesting in the sense that the technology matters very little it's more about how it's mishandled uh i feel like Definitely. you know by the by what people do with this information but there is an element of like there's some things we just shouldn't know and and we always want to we have those that feeling that oh i, I want to know everything about you and i want to know everything well Everything is mighty big. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, but sometimes with great information comes great responsibility. <laughs> Uncle Ben, no. Yeah, but I mean, I think um, it's an excellent episode. One yeah. of the, a couple things here is to kind of put the critic hat back on. It's a very well written and very sharply directed episode. Mm-hmm. They've mentioned, I don't know if it's still in the works. I remember that a couple years ago, they were turning this into a feature length film. Oh, really? And, like, yeah, and then, like, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was involved in it. And I was just thinking, they're going to absolutely ruin this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's actually no reason. Again, it's perfect as it is. It's perfect. And, again, it's not really all that short. No. This one, particularly, I think, is almost already. I feel like this one already is close to being um feature length maybe i'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember um no no it's forty forty nine minutes long it just maybe it just it was so well done it yeah. felt so complete in the way it in the way it told its story but uh yeah, really good, very, very dark but very thought provoking and i uh, I feel like too here's a case where the darkness is earned mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing that can be said about all three think that's one thing that can be said about all three season one episodes is the darkness is sort of earned by the story they're telling and we really do there are emotions that we feel Mm -hmm. this isn't a kind of slog where we don't feel compassion for the characters right including this episode i mean even when the characters themselves aren't particularly likable you do feel a certain amount of compassion or at least sympathy i yeah. feel towards them would that be accurate to say oh totally and and
1: just like the the fact that you can flesh out a character like that so much it, and in a 44 minute long program I, like and in the way that so many feature-length films can't i mean that says a lot for for the writing of the show and and pretty much just how the creation of these stories can be played out yeah, and I thought
0: that was neat, which kind of leads in then to the second season, which happens a couple years later. So it's, again, one of those deals where you're starting to see something that was successful, but was very, like, when Brooker does the first series, he just goes all out there, yeah. you know? He's trying to kind of provoke people. In, in every element of the episodes, he is trying to provoke people. And season two comes along, and I actually feel in a lot of ways that season two is stronger. yeah. Uh, I can't remember... I'm, I'm trying to remember there were three episodes each in seasons one and two. And then right now the only other season we have season three. But uh, no, I, I, looking at it, I think that you basically have uh, just like season one, you've got two really strong episodes. Yeah. An episode that I admire more than I really like enjoy. Yeah. If, that, if that's <laughs> fair. Uh, but there's two that are very strong at the get-go that are probably also two of my favorite episodes yeah uh one of those is white bear and the other one is uh i'll be right back yes yeah the, the name of it i'll be right back uh or be right back rather and let's talk about that one first because I, I feel like we could probably fall down a rabbit hole <laughs> with white bear because, <laughs> probably um, did, did uh i don't know how you feel but i really i really like that one a
1: lot i do too uh, yeah
0: white bear it's probably my favorite um be right back is one of the there's there's two or three episodes in this entire show that do that 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 really kind of tap into that feeling that you would associate uh mentioned twilight zone and outer limits at the beginning i kind of feel like be right back is pretty close to being an outer limits episode yeah definitely there's an episode in the season three that feels very much like a Twilight Zone. So this feels like something I would have seen on The Outer Limits, po- possibly either run, the one from uh back in the 60s and, or or from the one that ran in the mid 90s on Showtime. Yeah. Uh this one it's really great acting again. You have Haley Atwell and you have Donald Gleason who what? What is does need nodding? I know, right? <laughs> Donald Gleason seems to be in like everything. I uh, we've seen, you know, he's currently he's General Hux in in Star Wars. Uh he's a really good actor too. I mean, I really like him. I like him and uh, this this is probably
1: one of the reasons i like him so much is this particular uh episode yeah he's he's great in this one too and this one too like i don't feel like this is where, where a lot of the episodes kind of tend to be more on the darker side of it i don't think that this one is so much i think this is more about kind of the the emotion of um mourning and how people deal with that and, and what it is to to lose somebody and what are the ramifications if we had kind of a, a replication of that person back? is that is that gonna be the same person if it's just a you know a, a replicant of it or is this you know do we is there really something to the human soul? like is is there something there that is can't can't be recreated in that same way? Um, so I, I think this one, while it doesn't, it's not like the happiest episode, I don't think it's – it's not delving into those kind of dark territories of something like where uh, the entire history of you is going into it.
0: No, it is definitely different in that regard. It's definitely different in the way that uh, there is a gentleness to it at some level. Uh, there's a melancholy and a sort of I'd, – I'd say it's almost more bittersweet than it is straight uh, dark. Yeah uh because it does deal with what you're talking about kind of that element that you know what you can't uh the sadness that we all kind of deal with or the the kind of when you realize you can't bring somebody back no matter what you do uh you're never you can't really get that person back and the concept here is you can kind of recreate a person based out of all their online communications and all of their connections that have been recorded, you know, and yeah. you're building the person based off of that. But you, this really kind of deals with that concept, and actually in a very intriguing and, and very intellectual way, the concept of whether is, does a human being have something that you can call a soul? Is it definable, or does it really stretch into something a little bit, beyond our grasp you right. know or is a person really just the accumulation of everything we think we know about them yeah in a lot of ways it's an evolution from the the black mirror episode with the with the memory chips and it's taking that in a in very intriguing direction i think this is also one of the really really strong ones um the atwell is really really good in this yeah, i think uh her performance is a lot stronger than anything I've seen her in before. I think she's people might know her as Agent Carter in the Peggy Carter in the in the Captain America movies and things like that. But she's really, really good here. Uh, and is there anything else you want to say about that one, Seth? I, I feel like it's it's really good to kind of discover what's going on yeah, there yeah. without getting in everything. It also is on the shorter side where, I mean, it, there's an element where it is what it's about yeah you can it's probably a little less shocking than some of the others because you kind of do see where it's going the sort of slide inevitable slide there right. is you, you you know it's a, there there's a certain obviousness that they allow to kind of play through that story
1: yeah no that pretty much wraps up what i wanted to say on that one
0: uh and so then the second the the white bear episode this is kind of this is this is very much a sort of genre-bending sort of episode in my mind. Oh, definitely. That goes kind of all over the place. And it starts – do you want to talk about this one? Because to me, this is where I felt that we were headed towards a horror sort of episode yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it, it definitely touches on, down on a lot of the elements you'd you'd expect from a sort of genre survival story. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I. Th- this is one. Even though I know we're like in a spoiler talk, yeah, like this is one I even feel like hard like about talking about the ending to this one because. Oh yeah, I
0: don't think we should. Let's not yeah, give that away. It, it's before. one of the,
1: it's one of those ones where it completely subverted my expectations of what this was going to be. The, you know, when I got to this point, I'm like, okay, I I can allow for these are going to have different twist to them, you know, not so much like like I'm not Shyamalan for the most part, but, you know, I'm kind of expecting that something is going to go a weird way, but I, you know, with this one it's essentially like there's this woman, she wakes up, she has amnesia, and then she just finds that she's being hunted by all these people in these white masks, um, you know, and just all this crazy stuff is happening all around her. She has no idea why it's happening, you know, and then she starts meeting people who are helping her get away from from these people, the white bear people, um, and then it all comes It becomes
0: like an almost most dangerous game. Or yes, even, yeah, totally. Uh, kind of feel because... These people are popping up, and it's like, okay, I'm through wave one. Now here's wave two. You know, it's it's kind of strange in that regard.
1: And in the meantime, there's like all these people who are just standing there, like bystanders, you know, with their phones up, taking video of it, and not helping her out while all this horrible thing, you know, all these horrible things are happening to her on the outside of it. and then, like I said, we're not going to give away the ending to this just in case if somebody is listening to this who hasn't watched the series yet. But when you get there and when you actually find out what the episode is about, it completely subverts anything that you thought it was going to be. Um, and then it it actually asks you – it forces you to have to deal with a question of what, what what do I feel about this situation? Is this something that I think would be right? Is this an acceptable thing? Um or, or is this, and and some part of it even feels like it could be realistic in the way that it's handled. Um, just just in the way that, again, a lot of those themes that Black Mirror talks about is kind of the cold. Um, reality that we have kind of grown into because we have that distance. If, I, if I'm watching something through my cell phone, it's not as realistic as if I'm, you know, right there in front of it. If I'm dealing with it on a personal level, I have that little piece of impersonality that I can put in front of my face that's going to take away those real emotions with it. And especially because we are now in a world where, you know, you wake up in the morning, you get on Facebook, and the first thing that you see is, you know, somebody getting, you know, shot by a police officer or or somebody falling off a cliff, or getting mauled by a tiger—you know—all these things are just right there in your face all day long, and you become desensitized to it after a while because you've seen it all the time, you know. And and that kind of speaks into, I think, a lot of the themes of what White Bear is talking about. You know, where is that level of desensitation? Um, is this where we want to be as a society? Is this how we? can view people in a a certain way. It's hard to dance around the ending of this one, but I'm trying to do a good job of it.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a potential element of this, and in a lot of ways there's a later, again, we try not to talk too much about there's a later episode of this show where, uh, a later episode of Black Mirror in season three that kind of tries to play the same game again if you will, and I just don't think it's really as effective. Uh, what they manage here is pretty impressive, I think. Uh, and a lot of that, a whole lot of it, I really feel like is down to the actress, the the, the central actress, Lenora Critchlow. She's really good, uh, and she makes the whole thing come together, which I think is what allows us to – I mean – the whole thing does pivot on a twist to a degree, but it's it's compelling all the way through. A lot of the Black Mirror episodes do, and this one is definitely closer to the runtime of a Twilight Zone, uh, where it's about forty-two minutes long. So it sort of gets in and then gets out, uh, but it's super effective. And I, I I don't I think it can't be
1: stated enough that a lot of that is down to the, the central performance. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, so I think that'll bring us into the last episode of series two. Um, one that I'm not going to have probably a lot to talk about is, uh, the Waldo moment. Um, I don't think we're living in the Waldo moment. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it for sure. Um, the, essentially people <laughs> elect a cartoon to office. <laughs> i really right. Yeah. So uh- yeah, it's, it's literally <laughs> the, the, cause there's a guy who has a, he's like a cartoon animated bear that he controls kind of like by motion capture. Um, and he starts kind of going on to these political talk shows and you know doing this thing where he's speaking for the people and then his um avatar you know kind of take this this waldo character um actually gets you know put into a political office um i like i said this is not i don't think this is a bad episode there's some interesting parts into it uh i just don't think it's when it stands up to the rest of the episodes this is probably my least favorite episode of the of the series itself
0: i feel like we're going back to a little bit like the uh what was the um movie uh simone from back in like 2002 the andrew nicole movie do you remember oh, that yeah yeah where we're uh al pacino like creates like a digital woman or something. And uh, I think at one point he's potentially uh, being arrested for her digital murder or yes. something. Uh, I can't remember if I just ruined that movie or not. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I think Simone was not that great. It was less effective than this. But again, this almost feels a little bit more like a punchline than an episode fully. Yeah. Or they, they take it beyond a punchline, but they don't really know where to go with it. So they're trying – they spend most of their time trying to make this concept plausible without really thinking too much about what are we trying to say.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: To me, I feel like there's not a lot that actually gets said here that feels um, feels like it really needed saying outside of maybe a 20-minute short or something. Yeah, so, definitely. um uh, and and this one also, it's only about forty three minutes long, so you're only getting about twenty minutes longer than, than it would have, than uh, than it, than you would have expected it to be. But it's still it's still well written. I think that this one too, this one also, I'm not familiar with Brendan Higgins, who's listed as the director here. This one feels more than the others, really like the episode of a television show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the way it's directed, the way it's presented. I, I don't know that we've been that specific, but but every other episode of Black Mirror to this point, uh, particularly White Bear and particularly um, the entire history of you, they have a very cinematic feel to them yeah. for the most part. I, I feel like they do. Uh, and then the ones that don't are sort of also specifically that way where uh, 15 million credits uh, feel or merits or whatever feels very much like a stage play kind of has that yeah. sort of feel. Uh, or 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 a TV show, a reality television show, and there's that media influence on the other. So this is the one that just doesn't have a lot of a good visual identity to me, and I feel like they really address that in the third season that Netflix does. Probably not just because they had a bigger budget, but it's also where the show kind of comes into the mainstream.
1: You would I would say, yeah, yeah, I would I would definitely say so too.
0: So let's get some quick thoughts. Uh, because I forgot White Christmas was in between yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. the, the others there. So, um, do you want to kind of set that one up then? Yeah, let's talk about sure. White Christmas, which is. Uh, is is the first of them i think that really does fall into what you could consider to be feature length
1: yeah yeah this one I, I think this one is longer um so this was just a this is between the seasons here this was just kind of like a special a lot of the british shows will do this have only like one or two um seasons and then kind of like a longer episode this one is it's 74 minutes so it's it is closer to a full like run runtime of a film um and this one is also probably my favorite episode of the series itself. Uh, it's it's hard to pick because some of them I really like the, the entire history of you, and then some of the ones in the third season. Uh, but this this episode is excellent. Um, you start off in a cabin. Uh, this is John Hamm, and there's another guy in there with him, and they don't really tell you why they're there, but they've been stuck there in this cabin for uh, I, f- I think it's a couple of years, and this is like a Christmas, uh, and John Hamm character he's telling the guy he's like i just want you to talk to me that's all i want you know we haven't talked much in the time we've been here stuck here together so you know let's let's have a conversation so he starts kind of giving him his backstory where he came from uh he's this guy who used to work at like this weird dating agency where he would watch through the eyes of a guy who would go out kind of like a pickup artist and he try to help him through his date um and then something goes horribly, horribly wrong on this date. Um, so he kind of... Horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, th- again, this is another one I, I don't think you, you want to give a, too much away about it because there's a lot of fun in in figuring out, like, kind of where this thing goes because there is a really good twist to this episode. Um, but this there's something about this episode. There is some really, really... Dark, dark humor in this episode, um, but it also deals with some really interesting concepts. One of those being um, everybody has this kind of chip implanted uh, in them, where if they want to block out somebody, if they they have this kind of a mute feature, where they can you know push this button and it. it Kind of puts a, a weird like almost uh, static over that person's entire outline, and they can't hear anything they're saying. It's it sounds muted. It almost sounds like the uh, uh, the teacher from the Peanuts is talking exactly to right.
0: them. If you if you thought getting blocked on Facebook was bad, <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, and,
1: and there's, there's another concept that gets brought into this about this, uh, I, I can't remember what they call. It. I think it's like a cookie or something uh, where you can yeah, a cookie transport your consciousness. Into this this kind of cookie thing, uh, so it'll help you like get things done around the house. So you kind of can upload into, uh, you know, your personal assistant in your house, and um, kind of how that affects uh, what happens later on in the story, which is really interesting.
0: But it we it should be pointed out that the cookie is kind of like a slave. Yes, yes, like it it is its own being in a way and it, you almost start to get into some of the themes that were prevalent in Blade Runner in yep. some ways yeah. uh, which is kind of interesting because I didn't actually I didn't anticipate that when they started to go down that road with that uh, particular story and I guess it's it's worth mentioning and you know, we're saying this is the best one and I think in a lot of ways it is but also has the benefit of it's it's really an anthology inside of an anthology yeah it is it- because it's 74 minutes but it's really three separate stories. And, uh, but it's really, it's really good. Uh, and a lot of that is down to the performances are really strong. Obviously, John Hamm is really good. Uh, Rafe Spall, who's the other guy in there, uh, you might remember him as the guy that petted the alien flower in Prometheus. <laughs> yeah. He's actually the son of Timothy Spall. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, but I, he's, he's an actor who's grown on me over time. I don't, uh, I think one of the first things I saw him in was, um, was Prometheus and that wasn't the greatest... uh, (laughs) Not the best introduction. introduction. Yeah, yeah. That character particularly, regardless of what else you think about um, Prometheus, that was not one of the stronger (laughs) elements of the movie. And the the cookie story was really... It was compelling. The first one, which really was weird because it kind of... You know what it made me think of when I finally saw it was... And by the time I got around to seeing it, it reminded me of... And I don't know why exactly. I mean, I, I guess I know why, but it might not be the best comparison. The first short from the uh, VHS horror series. Yeah, I can totally
1: see that. I can totally see why you um, feel that way.
0: <laughs> which is which is kind of about a bunch of guys that go out at like a stag party, and they the one guy has a camera in his glasses. It's really just an excuse to have why he's recording something. And they're looking to make a, a hookup and of course again things go horribly horribly wrong and the feel of that was interesting i think it's much better it's much it's much more well done here uh but it is interesting and there there is a little bit of just like straight sort of like shocking stuff i think through each segment but it the overall feeling particularly the stuff you're talking about with the whiteout feature and some of what happens there it's it gets pretty uh, compelling and and again, it's very thoughtful because I think the stuff that kind of bothers you is not this feeling of oh my goodness, what do we get here with technology? It makes you really think about the way people are and what people choose to do, and 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 this one more than the others kind of made me feel really sort of bummed out. <laughs> yeah, it does. I think because the one thing I could I can argue against whether we'll get to this technology or not, or whether we'll have this in our hands but the fact is people do the same things with 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 more benevolent technologies we have right now and i guess it's the fact that uh you can't beat human nature per se and the human nature is spot on i'm not saying everybody's like this but there's a there's a very kind of depressing gravity i think to realizing that yes this is true to human nature even if it's not necessarily true to where we might go technologically you're you're it's weird too that's my last real comment on it it's weird because the british are very very uh i don't know why it's a thing but they're well known for doing christmas episodes of almost every tv show that's (laughs) ever existed and it's almost like charlie brooker's just like you know what what's the weirdest most inappropriate thing we could do is let's do a christmas episode of black mirror (laughs) and let's actually call it white christmas and and the weird part is, is all the kind of like, I, I've talked to some people who they, you know, people are like, oh, Christmas brings out the best in people, and it's just so great. Well, then there's other people who really don't like it because you know it tends to be something that just amplifies whatever whatever your feeling of the moment might be. If you're someone who who loves family and friends and togetherness, well, that's all great. But if you don't have family, friends, and togetherness, <laughs> it just sort of amplifies loneliness and and despair and you know and i feel like this more than many other sorts of quote-unquote christmas shows is sort of cashing in on it it has the wintry feel it definitely has that sort of like if you're a person prone to christmas depression i don't you know <laughs> this sort of this probably uh, feels at home <laughs> it's not gonna uplift you might not make you feel any worse either. <laughs> But um, I actually like that element of it, yeah. that it's it's
1: play. Like, it still feels like Christmas. It just feels like the bad side of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Without bashing somebody else's head in for a Tickle Me Elmo doll. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: exactly right. It's, it's definitely the Ba
0: Humbug episode. <laughs> yeah, any final thoughts on that, Seth? And what we're going to do, I think we're actually going to split this episode into two pieces. And we'll come back. We'll do season three and depending on when uh when we do get to it we might release season three or we may try to do season three with season four if, if you and i have the opportunity yeah because there's a so there's I, a there's season... lot to talk
1: about in season
0: three yeah season three is i think twice as long i think there are five or six episodes in it and uh they are like i said they, they tend to be a little more mainstream but i think there are actually a lot of ways uh there's elements that are absolutely just as strong Yeah. Oh, and i think in some ways season three might be one of the strongest seasons just because there are almost twice as many episodes yeah and the overall feel of it is it's definitely a little more polished but not in a bad no. way not in a not where the edges rounded off but i think they're able to to do a little bit more and still retain the kind of dark biting sense of things and when they expand the number of episodes they actually feel freed up to once in a while be a little cheerful (laughs) you know there's there's a couple episodes there where they're like i mean there's nothing is sunshine and kittens but there's definitely one solidly sort of all uplifting episode and there's a couple that don't end in complete and utter despair (laughs) Would that be fair to that's say? That's totally true. <laughs> yeah, it's like finding so. a rose at the bottom of an outhouse. But, but that being said, is they prove that they can do that kind of an episode? Yeah. without losing any of the impact. because no, no, the, no, the 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 I'm to say the word lighter, but the more uh, uplifting episode, or, or or the one that's a little more positive, is honestly also probably right next to white uh white christmas as the bet in my opinion as one of the best episodes they've done yeah yeah uh, particularly science fiction wise i just think it's super strong and it's very very powerful but we could talk about that all next time seth thanks for joining me uh everyone out there be safe and we will talk to you soon take care